The following program is not intended for children under 13, even though 13 is the spookiest of numbers. It contains coarse language, mature content, stories about ghosts, it's kind of spooky, and also I am not responsible for the things that come out of my wife's mouth. Listen at your own risk. Hello and welcome to another episode of A Spooky Stories. Ooh. I'm your ghost co-host, Matt McComb, the kooky one. And I'm the spooky one, Kaya. And today we are going to be taking a virtual trip to the Northwest Territories. Boring. I mean, I promise you that this story isn't boring. No, I mean, they do a lot of drilling over there. Drilling? But, um, shh. Sure. Okay, cool, cool. Moving aside. <laughs> I like just the, the dead next. silence. <laughs> okay, so anyways, you have a story for me, you I say? do have a story a for A Northwest you. Terror story? Yeah. Oh, good one. I yeah. like that. That was good. Yeah, see? I'm pretty good. Yeah, might have to use that for the... Couldn't nail the first one. Got the second one a first try. So let's try to keep that one rolling. Yeah, let's try to keep that momentum going. Yeah. Uh, so, are you ready to get into it? No, let's talk about not spooky stuff. Like what? Uh, like the fact that we are recording from home. And we have a new setup. We have a new setup. We work hard to serve you, our audience, better. So, we know that you need the very best. We picked up a two microphones, so it doesn't sound like I'm always trying to, uh, talk over Kaya, which I'm always doing. But you guys don't care and don't notice that because uh, she tries to edit that out the best she can. And we miss out <laughs> on a lot of good little skits. It's true. Because she can't edit them properly. So it's here true. we are. I am going to miss our ghost knocks, though, while we're recording. Yes, the ghost knocking was like this. And yeah, it will be missed. It will be missed greatly. Yeah. But it will be nice to have fabulous audio now do you know what i'm super excited about what's that is the fact that uh now we're gonna be angering all the ghosts in our own house instead of at my work so i'm just super stoked that we're doing the podcast here where we can rip on ghosts and spooky stories so that they can all be super super mad at us we'll just smudge our house after you know what it's good we don't have a salad bar here. I'm not going to get slapped. It's fine. <laughs> See, there you go. And I mean, none of these stories actually take place in our house, so I think we'll be okay. Okay. Well, speaking of talking over you, I guess you can do your story. Yeah. I was thinking maybe of trying something a little different, and I'll just give you like a tiny brief backstory, and then you can let me know how much more you want to hear. How much of it is about trains? There is none about trains this time. I am interested. All right. So today we are going to be talking about the mad trapper of Rat River, who was a murderer and fugitive, and was the subject of the largest manhunt in Canadian history. Foxy wanted to test out the new microphone, That's so she, she booped it with her nose. <laughs> She's going to boop it again. I'm sorry. Um... So the Mad Trapper led a group of RCMP officers through the Arctic on a six-week winter wilderness chase in 1932. The Mad Trapper is an icon and a legend, but who was he and why did he decide to start this chase in the first place? I'm pretty sure it was Bear Grylls. 
Who's Bear Grylls? He's the guy that does that outdoor show where he's like, ah, I can drink my own piss. No big deal. Is that the one where they're like naked in nature or something? No, that's Naked and Afraid. It's You're thinking of Naked and Afraid. There's other ones where he's Naked and Afraid, but it's just one guy. And that's Bear Grylls. And he's <laughs> okay. an outdoor man or something. Um. Well, I don't know who that is. And I don't really know his story, but I do know this story and would like to continue telling it. I guess it was in 1932, so Bear Grylls probably wasn't invented by then. He wasn't invented or he wasn't alive? (laughs) He probably wasn't alive. (laughs) Also, I don't think he's Canadian, so fuck that guy. All right. Well, this one is potentially Canadian. Okay, cool. Is it Man Tracker? No. That is a show you're familiar with. I do know Man Tracker, I think that one is Canadian. He's just some cowboy that like hunts people down. That's true. I have heard of that one. Okay, cool. Don't they reference that on The Office? Do they reference Man Tracker on The Office? Is that not No, the but one? they reference oh, Bear no. Grylls, so well done on your office trivia. Oh, my bad. Well, he doesn't say Bear Grylls. He, he definitely just... says Bear Grylls. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. I don't remember that. He doesn't drink his own piss, but he does reference Gross. Bear Grylls. Anyways, are you ready to get into the story? Yeah, I mean, we can cut a lot of that out, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, so our story today starts on July 9th, 1931, when a stranger arrived in Fort McPherson, Northwest Territories. Uh, upon his arrival, he was questioned about why he was there by RCMP officer Edgar Millen. I guess when you just like randomly show up in the Northwest Territories in the 30s, they're like, who are you and why are you here? What do you want? People but, are going to have some questions. Yeah, I guess. So Millen did have questions. Officer Millen had questions. Is he going to be important? He's got a nice name. He has Edgar a nice name. Millen. He will resurface during our story. Officer Edgar Millen. Yeah. So he questioned the stranger. Um, the stranger claimed that his name was Albert Johnson, but refused to give any further personal information, which I mean... Fair. And foreshadowing. Also, like, he hadn't done anything wrong, so he's like, "What? why do I need to tell you? Yeah, this guy does not seem to like cops. I bet you he's growing drugs. Maybe. Another strange thing was that apparently Johnson refused to purchase a trapper license. I guess that was odd for people who were living in the Northwest Territories at at that time, because I guess your only means of survival was to trap for money and to eat. Ooh. Furthering my theory that he was not there to trap, but instead to grow drugs. <laughs> well, we will find out as we go along. So Johnson decided he didn't want to stay in Fort McPherson and traveled to the deep Mackenzie River Delta, where he built a small cabin on the banks of the Rat River, hence the Mad Trapper of Rat River. Um, he became a bit of a recluse, but that didn't last for long. Isn't everyone a recluse in this area? Because there's like no one around for miles, which is why they're like, what are you doing here? Why would anyone come here? I come here because I work here as the cop. Right? But what am I even defending? And like, even the cops probably don't want to be there. They were just like forced to go there, I bet. Yeah, that's where they send all the bad RCMP. Um, On a side note, I've heard that the Northwest Territories are actually really nice now and they're a great place to visit in the summer. Um, And I think we should check them out sometime when we can travel again. I would be down. Cool. Um, As long as we don't stay in this cabin because I imagine it's going to be very creepy. Well, let me continue with my story and uh, we can Mm. go from there. Okay, sounds good. But at the same time, like, how cool would it be to have the skills, the man skills, the mustache skills, <laughs> to just fell all the trees around you and be like, I'm going to build a cabin I mean, right here in the woods. You had a cousin who attempted that, so we could always ask him what it's like. He was mixing concrete by hand and stuff. It was There weird. are YouTube videos of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyways, 
Um, so, like Shout I said. Shout out to Sean. <laughs> like I said, uh, Johnson wasn't a recluse for long. As winter rolled around, local natives began to notice that their traps were being raided and they took their complaints to the RCMP detachment in Aklavik, which is a small hamlet in the Inuvik region of the Northwest Territories. Okay, so hold on, hold on. Their traps were tripped. Their traps were tripped. And they were like, oh, it's got to be new guy. Right? What on earth? Why would he do that? that like, that's just mean. To Probably be like, because like nobody knew who he was. So they're just like, mm, it's got to be the new guy. Maybe he was a ghost. Maybe he was a ghost. Should we find out? Yeah, we should find out. All right. Uh, So like I said, the trappers reported that they found their traps had been tripped and were left hanging in the trees and they claimed Johnson was the likely culprit. You know what? I bet it was that dang their new guy. He done tripped our traps. (laughs) And I I don't think that we should ever let no more new new people come in. The Northwest Territories, this is where we, we do our trapping and we don't appreciate our traps being tripped. Right. So because they didn't appreciate their traps being tripped... This led two RCMP officers to dog sled 60 miles through apparently waist-deep snow. Stop for a second here. You know this is a Canadian podcast, right? Yeah. We use the metric system. How many miles is kilometers? I don't know. How many kilometers is 60 miles? 2.2. So we're talking about 130 kilometers. Holy shit, 130 kilometers? They traveled a long way. How How many kilometers an hour do you think a dog sled goes? Probably not very fast. No, like 10 kilometers, 20 kilometers yeah. an hour? I don't know when they left Aklavik, but it said that they got there on December 26, 1931. Like right after day. Christmas? Boxing Day. Boxing Day. Yeah. They should be out there shopping right? with Instead, the rest of the traders. they're dog sledding to the middle of nowhere to question Johnson about the traps being tripped. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, he refused to speak to them. No shit. He was like, fuck you guys. So this caused the RCMP officers to return to Aklavik to get a search warrant. So they, they didn't drive all the way there. They dog sledded all the way there. Yep. To be like, hey, did you done trip them traps? And he was like, I ain't got nothing to say, you damn cops. Yeah. Marcy thinks the same thing. And then they were like. All right, uh, we'll be back. Don't leave town. Basically. And then they dog sled it all the way back. All the way back. Yep. And then... Also, what like what kind of a warrant do they... Like, if they... Are they looking for evidence that he decided to trip traps? Probably. Like, by tripping traps, do you think that he, like, he stole the food that was inside of the traps? Maybe. Or the animals that had been Because I thought he was just like, ha you're not going to catch no animals. And he just... No, that wasn't the Messed case. Messed up their traps. Maybe that he was a vegetarian. That's what I thought. No, not the case. Um, so yeah, so the RCMP officers returned to get a search warrant. On December 31st, 1931, four RCMP officers this time uh, returned to the Rat River cabin and attempted to force their way in. Johnson was like, I'm not having any of this and decided to fight back and started shooting at the officers. Does this guy think this is Texas? You I can just so. shoot at people yeah. for trying to come into your house? Yeah. Uh, so he chose to shoot at them with a 30-30 Savage rifle, which I will post a photo and I'll show you later. But, like, I wouldn't want to be on the end of any gun, but I definitely wouldn't want to be on the other end of 
this rifle. So it wasn't um, a musket. No. He didn't have to load it with like a like little tube that he stuck down there with a little I ball. I mean, it's the 1930s. We're past musket stage for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so he decided to fight back. He was shooting at the officers when he hit and seriously wounded Constable Alfred King. <gasps> no! Constable yeah. Alfred King's my favorite <laughs> officer from the Northwest Territories in 1931. How dare he? Right. Uh, so King was returned to Aklavik, and no worries. He did actually recover, uh, but the manhunt for Johnson had already begun to take place. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So King's all right? So King's all right. He survived. Um, Johnson still not talking to the police. So the police that had returned after King was shot gathered a bit of a posse. Um, more of a posse than four more than four it was nine men and 42 dogs (laughs) wait 42 dogs to drive the sled probably or just 42 dogs I would assume 42 dogs to like drive the sled the dog sleds of nine men I thought he was just like you know rousing a posse of dogs just Um, like hey let's go get that guy and the dogs are like woof on top of the nine men and 42 dogs that showed up at the cabin there was also 20 pounds of dynamite um, the RCMP were prepared to use these to blast Johnson out of the cabin if they needed to. Yeah. <laughs> How big was this cabin that they were like, oh, we'll just throw some dynamite next it to the door. It wasn't very big, but I, they obviously weren't concerned with him living or dying at this point. No. Um, so I read somewhere, I, I don't know, like, does dynamite freeze? Because it, in one of the articles I read, it talked about them, like, putting the dynamite in their coat to, like, warm them up. And before they, like, prepared to set it off, which I thought was interesting. I thought dynamite was just used in, like, like cartoons and yeah. stuff. Like, we use C4 in real life. I don't know. Anyways, uh, so there's nine men, 42 dogs, 20 pounds of dynamite at the cabin. Johnson, again, decided to open fire on the cops <laughs> um, from a five-foot dugout beneath his cabin, which then caused the officers to hurl the dynamite into the cabin, blowing it to pieces. So don't think we're going to be staying at that cabin. No, I don't think that we're going to be staying at that cabin. Also, like, come on. Like, I feel like we have better options than just like, oh, let's dumb them blow up that cabin there. Right. I guess not. Um, So this resulted in a 15-hour standoff, leaving the police and Johnson face-to-face in minus 40-degree temperatures. Hold on, hold on, hold on. They blew up the cabin, and then it was a standoff? Yep. Where what what was left of him that he could actually stand so, off? So remember, I said he was in like a dugout underneath the uh, cabin, so he was like protected. So then he knew that they were gonna blow up his cabin. He probably he was wise some to their shit tricks. was gonna happen. Yep. Um. So yeah, fifteen hours and minus forty temperatures. Eventually, the posse decided that they didn't want to be cold anymore. Uh, and retreated to Aklavik to find more assistance. If only there was some sort of cabin where they could warm themselves. <laughs> Too bad you blew it up, you fuckers. Um, anyways, so once they returned to Aklavik, blizzard conditions began, causing the posse to be delayed from returning until January 14th, 1932. By the time they returned... Johnson had left the cabin. Gee, I wonder why. There's no cabin left. There's no cabin left. Um, which then caused the group to decide to strike out to find him. Yeah. Why? Um, well, they never even got like any word from him. So like, like, I mean, he did. He did maim one of my favorite. I was gonna say he maybe tripping traps and he shot a cop. So like, yeah, this is serious now, right? What was he doing up there? I don't know. Man, that's weird. Let's continue. 
Um, so they eventually caught up with him on January 30th, 1932, far up the Rat River. And they surrounded him in a thicket of fire, or sorry, they surrounded him in a thicket and a firefight ensued. So we got more shooting going on. There was a thicket and a firefight. A thicket and a firefight. Uh, during this shootout, Johnson shot Constable Edgar Millen. Oh no! Yeah, through the heart, killing him. <gasps> Edgar! Yeah. This caused the RCMP to once again retreat to find more help. So like... I don't know. These are large groups of cops, and they're terrified by one one lone man. They blew up his cabin. Like they blew up his cabin, so he shot Constable Millen. Um, but they need more help. I don't know. They need more help. So they took the dog sled all yeah, the way back. So and like, remember, I said they're far up the Rat River, so they're like more than sixty miles now. They're probably like a hundred miles also, away. Like, just like. He died. It's not like you could go back to Acclivate or whatever it was to Aclivic. get Aclivic to get help. He's no. dead. He's dead. Just yeah. like subdue this guy. Um. So they decide to go back to find more help to catch Johnson. Mm-hmm. Is what they've decided. Um. By this point, the news of the manhunt had reached the outer world in via radio. Listeners in Canada, the U.S., and the rest of the world were fixated on the story and its final outcome. The rest of the world. Yeah. So this was so big that, like, the news was being spread worldwide. Yeah. Also, remember, we don't know where Albert Johnson is from. So, like, maybe somebody knows who he is. This just in from Canada. There appears to be a firefight in a thicket and some tripping of traps. More on this story following the weather. So the RCMP enlisted help where they could, including local um, Inuvia Lewitt and... Kuchin tribe members uh, who were better equipped to move throughout the backcountry. These are probably the same native tribes whose traps were being tripped. Let's be mm. real here. Yeah. Uh, Johnson had decided to try and make an escape to the Yukon, leading the RCMP to block the only two passes over the Richardson Mountains. So they divide the Northwest Territories and Yukon. This, though, didn't stop Johnson. <laughs> who disappeared after climbing a 7,000-foot peak. Damn, this guy is cool. Yep. Maybe Uh, it was Bear Grylls. Maybe. So he's now disappeared. He's climbed a 7,000-foot mountain and disappeared. Uh, What is that in centimeters? I don't know. That's a lot of (laughs) centimeters. That's a lot of centimeters. Um, So the RCMP turned to new technology to try and capture Johnson and embedded radio into another new technology, the airplane. Okay. Yep. Um, So in a final act of desperation, the RCMP hired Wilfred Wap May, so Wap being his nickname, who was a Canadian Airways leading post-war aviator. So he was like an aviator during World War One. Uh-huh. So they hired him to help the hunt by searching the area by air using his new Belonka monoplane, which I guess was like a big thing at the time. This was like a fancy-ass new plane. A Belonka monoplane. A Belonka monoplane. <laughs> WAP arrived on February 5th, 1932 to begin his search. He discovered that Johnson had crossed the peak when he saw his tracks on the far side of the range. So this is how they knew that he had climbed the mountain. So he climbed the mountain and made it down the other side, and this aviator found the tracks and that's how they knew yeah so february 14th wap discovered johnson on the eagle river in the yukon territory 
and found the tactics that Johnson had been using to elude all of those searching for him. You want to know what they were? Uh, They're quite being interesting. Being an idiot? Yeah, no, go ahead. Um, so he had been mingling with migrating caribou herds and was wearing his snowshoes backwards to disguise his tracks. So he was like walking through the snow in backwards snowshoes. Yeah, no, this guy's cool. In caribou herds. And that's how he was like not being found mingling with the migrating also like i'm sure the rcmp didn't think that he had made it to the yukon so that's probably another really good way to to evade them yeah no kidding so johnson only left the trail at night to make camp on the riverbank and this is the track wap had spotted he radioed his findings back to the rcmp and gave chase up the river so now they're heading into the yukon probably the yukon rcmp i would assume not the northwest territories ones at this time probably someone who's actually you know sufficiently competent yeah hopefully so the rcmp overtook johnson on february 17th 1932 johnson attempted to run for the bank but had not put on his snowshoes and couldn't make it another firefight broke out ending in an rcmp officer being seriously wounded and johnson being killed after he was shot in the left side of the pelvis uh and it passed through vital tissues and arteries leading to his death so he was shot so he was shot. Not before taking down another cop. Correct. Um, now, the other RCMP officer did survive because WAP landed his plane, picked up the wounded RCMP officer, and flew him to help. Oh, well, that's yeah. nice. Competency. But now Johnson's dead. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Because the thing is, it's like, okay, dude... Like, they were like, oh, I think you tripped our traps. And it's like, what does that mean? Did you steal the food out of it? Like, steal the animals? And like... Can you believe that this all happened because he may or may not have tripped someone else's trap? And doesn't like like dealing with cops. So now two cops have been injured and survived. One was killed and now this guy's dead because of traps. Yeah. Also, like... He's obviously not the one that did that because he's clearly a very experienced outdoorsman. Right? All right, are we ready to talk about? Yeah. Yeah, because this is where things really start to get interesting. Okay. Yeah. So after Johnson's death, RCMP realized that he had traveled over 137 kilometers away from his cabin in 33 days through the cold weather and hostile terrain, likely burning at least 10,000 calories a day. Nice. Isn't that crazy? Uh, but he wasn't fat after that. Yeah. His body was transported back to Aklavik by dog sled, where it was examined, fingerprinted, and photographed. Dental examinations showed sophisticated gold bridge work, which indicated this man came from an affluent background. He also had about $2,400 in Canadian money on him, which is about $34,000 today. Wow. Yeah. So who is this guy? Yeah. And why did he have so much money? Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, there was absolutely zero identification documents on the man, which led to an extensive investigation to find out the true identity of the individual. His photos and description were circulated throughout Canada and the United States, which led to some leads to come in, but nothing definitive could be established. Okay. So we still don't know who this guy is. He's maybe Albert Johnson, maybe somebody else. I don't think he's Albert Johnson. I think he's John Albertson. (laughs) Maybe. Um, So in the 1930s, the initial investigation into the identity mainly focused on an individual named Arthur Nelson, who was a man who traveled from BC into the Yukon somewhere between 1927 and 1931. He had similar guns as Albert Johnson, and he was also known as Mickey Nelson. I don't know. 
But Yukon researcher and author Richard North published a theory that Nelson and Johnson were the same person, but DNA has since ruled out this theory. They had DNA on this guy? No, so DNA testing, like, more recently. Yeah, I know, but, like, how did they get DNA from him? We'll get into that. Okay. Um, But we're just kind of chatting about, like, the theories of who this guy could have been. So there is a family from Picto, Nova Scotia, because everything spooky and weird happens in Nova Scotia, right? They were called the Johnston family. So not Johnson, Johnston. And they believed that he may actually be Owen Albert Johnston, a relative who left Picto at the beginning of the Depression to find work in the U.S. They last received word from him in 1931 via a letter posted from Revelstoke, B.C., but never heard from him again. The last known information on this theory was that a relative was arranging for DNA testing. Like recently? Yep. So this was like 2017, maybe? I haven't seen anything since They're like, he done want to go get some work. So they're like, oh, maybe this is our relative and maybe. Another theory is that Johnson was actually a Norwegian man named Sigvald Peterson Haskjold. Sigvald was a self-sufficient 32-year-old in 1927 who believed that authorities were looking for him after he evaded conscription during World War I. He had built a fortress-like cabin on Digby Island in BC before disappearing, uh, but this theory was 100% excluded through DNA testing. Oh, so I thought that not, was the right theory. So not the Norwegian guy. So the body of Albert Johnson was buried in a permafrost grave near Aklavik, but was exhumed in 2007 for a show on the Discovery Channel. Wait, buried in a permafrost grave? Yeah. So because like the ground's frozen up there 90% of yeah, the time. Why, why does that matter about I the don't grave? Know. That's okay. just what it oh, said. It's a permafrost yeah. grave. No just some deal. information. So you just got to talk about the weather on this it, podcast. It actually like does kind of play into something that I'm about to get into. Okay. Um, yeah. So bear with me. So the Very Discovery Channel me. had a forensic team conduct tests on the remains in an attempt to identify him. But all the candidates that they tested him against were excluded with 100% certainty. Do you know who else is on the Discovery Channel? Who? Bear Grylls. Anyways, <laughs> at this time, it was determined that Johnson was likely from either Midwest America or Scandinavia due to isotopes in his teeth, which is interesting. So like... It's so like radioactive weird. isotopes. Weird. Anyways, teeth. so they narrowed it down to either Scandinavia... So, like, maybe it was a Scandinavian accent, um, or possibly Midwest America. Did we even go over a Scandinavian accent in the beginning? Yeah. Okay. We talked about it. I don't remember that. Maybe we didn't. Millen thought that he had a Scandinavian accent. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember. This is what happens when we record multiple versions of the episode. You don't ever tell people that. (laughs) This is all recorded on the fly. So, may have been from Midwest America or Scandinavia, was somewhere in his 30s when he died, when he was killed. So the quest for his exhumation was every bit as exciting as the final days of his life. It took a pile of wrangling to get legal approval. Then the team had to obtain consent from the natives who had laid claim to the land where he was buried. Um, And then due to the permafrost, there was only a slight window of time when the dig could be made and they still had to find the exact grave location. Interesting. Yeah. So they finally managed to find the grave on the last day possible. (laughs) The last day they could dig for it. Uh, So they dug, they brought up the casket, removed the lid to find a perfectly preserved male skeleton, which they then got DNA from. And this is how all the, like a bunch of the DNA testing was done. Um, 
Now, interestingly, while measuring the skeletal remains, two interesting observations were made that led the team to question how the man performed his evasive feats. Uh, So the first one was there was a spine deformity, which probably would have made it pretty difficult for him to, like, walk in the first place. Mm. Um, And then one foot was considerably larger than the other, which also caused them to question his mobility. Because I don't know if you've seen, but, like, sometimes when people are born and their feet are two different sizes, it's, like, really difficult for them to walk normally or comfortably. Also, would have totally allowed him to avoid conscription because they don't take people with one larger foot than the other. So definitely not the Norwegian guy. Definitely not the Norwegian guy. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, anyways, as of now, they still don't know who he actually is. So he's still known as Albert Johnson or the Mad Trapper of Rat River. But he wasn't even a trapper. He just tripped but other he wasn't people's even a traps. Exactly. If we, if that, if even. Um. Yeah. So he has been immoralized in a lot of like pop culture, which is interesting. So yeah, many authors have written about the mystery of the Mad Trapper of Rat River, including Barbara Smith, who is actually someone I use a lot of her like stories and her books as research for the podcast. So I thought that was kind of cool. Shout out to Barbara yeah. Smith. Thought that was really cool. She writes a lot of like ghost stories and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, three movies, three movies have been made based on this story. All of them featuring Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Not one of them. Um, the Mad Trapper was the first one. It came out in 1972. And it was a highly fictionalized film based on these events. Uh, in 1975, there was a movie that came out called Challenge to be Free where they portrayed Johnson as a Johnny Appleseed-like individual, um, basically saying that, like, he was the good guy and was, like, like you're, like you said, he was releasing these, tra- like, tripping these traps to, like, release the animals, right? Or he That's was what I was thinking. Maybe yeah. he's a vegetarian. He's like, so, it ain't right. Challenge to be right free, movie from 1975, kind of, like, explored that possibility, as well as one that came out in 1981 called Death Hunt, uh, where it flipped the story to make Johnson the good guy and RCMP officer Edgar Millen the villain. Ah, yeah. Millen the villain. Yeah. Uh, he's also been the subject of at least five songs. So I have them all written here and who sang them, um, if anybody's interested. So the first one is The Capture of Albert Johnson by Wilf Carter. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know who any of these people are. Yeah, I just thought enough. It was interesting. I was like, these sound like things my dad would know. Yeah. Probably. The Mad Trapper of Rat River by Stanley G. Triggs. Rat River Trapper by Doug Hutton. River Rat Bluesman by State of the Art, which is like a band from the Northwest Territories. Uh And The Ballad of Trapper John by BC folk rock group Devin Coyote. (laughs) Yeah. So. Shout out to my boys, Devin (laughs) Coyote. So that is... The story. I'm surprised um, this is not a heritage minute. Right? Yeah, this is a longer than a minute, but anyways. So the Mad Trapper case became a huge public interest case, and many sympathized with the story of how a loner with physical impairments could evade the capture for 48 days. So this whole thing took place over 48 days. Spooky. Um, he survived the harsh winter conditions and even outwitted some of the toughest bushwise people of the time a.k.a. the natives. Uh-huh. Uh, his motive was as unknown as his identity, and we may never know who Albert Johnson, the Mad Trapper of Rat River, truly was. I don't feel like it's fair to call him the Mad Trapper. Dude just didn't want to <laughs> deal with the cops. He definitely had something to hide. Probably the $28,000. He's like, them after my money. Yeah. And 
I don't know how he got that money. That's 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 sure. a mystery in because itself. we don't know who he was, so we don't know where that came from. But like, yeah, like dude, just he probably didn't trip the traps. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. He didn't right. need to. He's a very skilled man. So yeah, so that's my story for today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like he's a good guy. He might be. I might watch one of those movies because one of them got past my threshold and made it to the eighties. See, the rest of them in the seventies are not tech. We should we should try and find it. I feel like we should also like listen to these songs. I think they might be interesting. Uh, pass. So this guy comes into town in Northwest Territories, boring, and he's like, "Hey." Uh, I am Albert Johnson. And they're like, oh, what's the rest of your information? He's like, I'm not giving that to you. And then he's like, see ya. And then he moves down to the Rat River and builds himself a cabin because he's a very cool mustached man. And uh, then the natives there are like, oh, dang, someone done tripped our traps. And he's like, uh, definitely wasn't me. And they're like, nah, it definitely was you because we're racist. And so they called the cops and the cops took their dog sled out to the cabin. And they're like, Hey, did you trip those traps? And he's like, I ain't got nothing to say, you cops. And they're like, we'll be back with a warrant. So then they took the dog said all the way back. And then all the way there with a warrant. And he's like, I'm still not talking to you cops. And they're like, but we have a warrant. And he's like, I don't care. Don't, this isn't don't come out of my property. This isn't speedy. Hey. Who's doing the speedy recap? Me You're you. literally telling me. You had me. the opportunity to do the speedy recap. You're not doing the speedy recap. Here I am. I don't care. Okay. So then... Uh, he shot people, and then he walked away, and then they followed him, and then he shot people again, and then he walked away, and then he climbed a 7,000 foot mountain, and then he shot people, and then he got shot, and then he died, and then no one knew who he was, and there were some people in Pictou, Nova Scotia, where everything's spooky, and they're like, it might have been us, and then, uh, that's pretty much it. People still don't know. Are you done? I'm done. Alright. So, based on everything from today... If you had to give this story a spooky rating, what would you give it? I'm going to give it, you know, it wasn't very spooky, but it was quite interesting. Let's go six heritage minutes out of ten migratory caribou herds. Awesome. So before we wrap up, I just want to do one really quick shout out to someone who left us a review on Facebook. Uh, Ooh, so that would be Kathleen Haug, also known as Katie. Oh, Thanks, Katie. Katie, we love you. Thank you. Yeah. So um, if you want to shout out on our podcast, leave us a review on Facebook or Apple Podcasts. If you are looking to find where else you can listen to our podcast, we are on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Pocket Casts now, thanks to Colby. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, hit us up. Feel free to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. The last time I said this, I gave the wrong... Um, username but on both Facebook and Instagram you can search us by looking for spooky stories pod or you can check us out on our website at spookypodcast.com yes that is correct and if you want a shout out on our wonderful podcast then just uh, leave us a review and we'll think about it which is what we said yes yeah all right so that's it for today and we want to thank you all for listening and until next week we hope you keep it spooky keep it spooky Ooh.